Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Genesis. Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals, and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. A Gospel reading from the third chapter of Mark. Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again, so that Jesus and the disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he, ha- he has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Friends, before we turn to the sermon, let me say again how much it means to be with you in the same room at the same time and All of you viewing now or later, uh, it's wonderful to find ways uh, throughout the pandemic and as the world opens up to come back together. Friends, grace and peace to you in the name of our living and our loving God. Amen.
Are you family? I bet you've answered that question as often as I have. Late at night at a nurse's station on a hospital unit, greeted by ushers at a wedding, mingling with a huge crowd of friends and relatives at a backyard graduation party where you sure don't know everyone and they don't know you, or maybe even as you stood in line to buy a bubble's worth of tickets for a Twins game. Are you family? It's a really common question. It's one we use to clarify and sort people out into categories, often quite innocently or without really deep meaning. But across all the ages and cultures, family or clan or tribe can also be used to keep people in their place. Relative or stranger? Insider, no outsider. Trusted or feared? Friends, our loyalty to family in the narrow sense can cause us to judge others or to be indifferent to their needs because they are simply not one of us. Such categories, such sorting of people was as common in Jesus' day as it is today. And that makes the final section of this long passage from Mark's Gospel so remarkable even 2,000 years later. When it comes to family, Jesus says, whoever does the will of God, that one is my brother or sister or mother. Are you family? Now, I'll tell you, Mark is my favorite of the four gospel writers. Most scholars think this was the first of the gospel accounts to be written down in that time when the church was bursting forth and beginning to grow so fast that simply an oral telling of stories was no longer a very good strategy for passing on the good news of Jesus Christ. Other scholars also find in Mark a basic catechism text, 13 chapters. Read them and learn what it means to be an authentic Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because Mark's gospel, though, moves along at quite a clip, we heard what could really be at least four sermons in the passage that was just read. And just in case your mind heard something that steered you into an off-ramp of wonderment before we got to the final verse, let me comment briefly, very briefly, on all those exits we just drove by. First sermon. Jesus went home. Now, I'll admit it's tempting to think of Jesus quite apart from the house he lived in or the neighbors he had or the work and the study he pursued before his baptism by John in the River Jordan. But if we pay careful attention in Mark's gospel, we learn that the young adult Jesus actually went off and lived in the city of Capernaum, a city that's still there right on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Those fishermen he called to be his disciples, 
Could be that he knew them in other ways before that historic day. People knew Jesus also in his hometown of Nazareth, knew him so well from his growing up years that it boggled their minds to imagine that this Jesus could bring God's word to life. And then, for a second sermon, all that business about demons and Satan and that mysterious strong man and the intruder. If you've ever traveled to a very different part of the world, you know what it's like when the landscape and the customs and even the food does not taste like home. And yet, if your experience is anything like mine, in a few days you forget all that foreignness and it's our common humanity that shines through. After all, people are people around the globe. A similar thing can happen when we hear a text that sounds so bizarre to our contemporary ears. Most of us don't really think of our world in terms of the stark categories of a battle between good and evil or a life and death struggle between God and Satan. We don't really ponder very much our own captivity or our freedom from the devil. That sounds oh so foreign. But even in 21st century America, we know we have to choose which side we're on, on issues. What do we stand for? Who are we going to serve? And at every baptism in this sanctuary, we renounce all that separates us from God and God's ways, and we witness to that incredible new life that comes when those waters of God's abundant grace wash over a person. And so in this very odd parable, Jesus announces once and for all that that strong man no longer rules. He's been put out of business. One has come on the scene to bind him, to stop him, so that God's mercy and grace will prevail. And we know that that one is Jesus Christ. Friends, the binding of the strong man changes everything. One more mini-sermon. We can get to the real sermon for today. Those pesky verses about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and the unforgivable sin. Listen carefully. Because I know if I just glide past these... You're going to wonder why the bishop ducked on the week that your brave pastor went away and the deacon asked me to preach. But more importantly, because this may be right at your heart for one of you. So listen carefully. If you have ever wondered and worried that you've done something so awful that God will not be able to forgive you. Your worry itself, your concern about being cast away from God forever, that worry assures you that you're not forsaken. You're still in the game with God. 
in those painful times of despair, our very cries out to God, our profound anxiety that God cannot or will not love us, that actually testifies to the presence of God's loving spirit already at work in us. Mark's gospel, that's what others were saying about Jesus. He is possessed. He cannot be from God. He cannot heal or forgive in God's name. And how wrong they were. So wrong that this word of caution about blaspheming the Holy Spirit and what God can do when God goes to work, it found its way right into the text for today. And now here we go, the real sermon I came to give. Are you family? Jesus had a family in the most ordinary sense of the word. He had a living mother, brothers, and sisters. Though we don't actually know if those might have been step-siblings or cousins because the same terms would have been used for all those close relationships in a small village. And we know this, the family of Jesus did care about him. And they also worried about him, especially when the frenzied pace of his life was such that there wasn't even time to eat. We can all hear our mothers saying, sit down, you've got to eat. On that day when Jesus learned that his own family was outside the house where he was inside teaching, learned that his family was out there looking for him, wanting to take him home, get him out of there. Jesus responded in a way that continues to turn our world upside down. Looking inside the house at that group of strangers around him, Jesus said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. No longer blood ties or birth, not the clan or the tribe we were born into, but common work in God's name is what makes us family in God's eyes. Last month at the Synod Assembly, we launched a Planting Hope campaign, and Deacon Nina, that was great use of Planting Hope. I'm going to borrow some, I'm going to take some of those seeds, and I'm going to borrow that whole image over and over. You've got the seeds right there for me. What am I going to be growing? Beans? Yeah, whoo, she's got confidence in me. (laughs) Friends, and I have confidence in you, because over the next couple of years, we're going to raise $2.75 million to impact the lives of all of our neighbors. We're going to have to get a wider stretch of numbers to get that one written out. You can read a whole lot more about it on our Synod's website, and I trust me on this, this fall, every congregation is going to receive a lot more information. In brief, here's what 109 congregations are going to do. Four things. One, We're going to invite our neighbors into life in Christ by telling them what Jesus means to us. Secondly, 
We're going to renew the congregations of the synod, the new starts and the redevelopments. And we're going to do other vitality work, the kind of things that you already excel at doing at Faith Lutheran Church. We're also going to raise up a next generation of leaders through paid, paid internships. They're going to pay really well for young adults who come home from college for a summer. They don't have to work in a church, but working someplace where they think about God in daily life. We're also going to help pay off some of that huge seminary debt too many of our deacons and our pastors are carrying. And then we're going to invest a million dollars in a life-transforming project on the east side of St. Paul. I can't yet say the partnership that we are forming, but I can say Lutherans like us are going to contribute money, a million dollars worth, and then we're going to invest that. We're not going to hold on tight. We're not going to boss the project We're going to fund a partnership project. And you're going to like it when I can say what it is. Now, friends, what you didn't hear me say, oh, we're going to take care of our own. You didn't hear me say, we're going to look inward and we're going to really prop ourselves up because it's so hard to be the church today. No, for God's sake and in the power of knowing what happens when God's grace is at work in our lives, we're going to go out and serve others. We're going to invest our time and our attention and, yes, our money, $2.75 million of our money. We're going to invest that in others because in Christ Jesus, they are family to us. But you already get that at Faith Lutheran Church. I want to thank you for being a community of faith where God's Spirit has long been stretching and guiding you in a way that impacts the lives of so many around you. Thank you for being brother and sister siblings to Jesus Christ. And I hope you get something to eat today. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.